Hello and welcome to Mondays with Mac. My name is Dr. John B. McIntosh. I am a licensed professional counselor and a certified advanced alcohol and drug counselor. Today's topic we're going to be discussing um, alcohol addiction. So we're going to do a little talk here regarding how one becomes an alcoholic, what is an alcoholic, what is drug or what is alcohol abuse, use, etc. So let us begin by describing the three major areas. There's alcohol users, which are known as social users. There's alcohol abusers, and then there's alcohol addiction or alcoholism. Let us begin by looking at a party situation or perhaps at a bar. You walk into the bar and you're observing people in, in the social situation and what they're doing. To identify a social user or a social drinker, which by the way, in a lot of aspects, I consider to be dinosaurs in the field. It's very rare to see somebody social drinking anymore. For one, social drinkers don't get drunk. So working in my practice, I get a lot of people rationalizing that they accidentally got drunk. I don't believe that is possible you can feel the effects of alcohol as it's coming on or you drink a drink that is very strong and you know it's very strong and as a result you get the drunkenness effect. First of all, if I were to walk into a bar or into a party situation, the social drinkers would be identified by perhaps a group of people or just a couple people talking, joking, laughing, having a good time, having a deep discussion, no signs of drunkenness. As far as the drink that they have, if they're at a uh, social situation, they may be at a table with a group of people drinking their drink, putting it down, talking, drinking a little more, putting it down, and as a result, uh, as they're in their conversation and their laughter and having a good time, they, their drink may get warm and they may order another, but they don't really finish it. So social drinkers mean literally what it is. They go out to socialize, to have a good time, to connect, and to be with each other. But their intent is not to get a buzz or getting drunk. Which, by the way, folks, uh, that's another term that really does great on me at times when people say, I did not get drunk last night, I just got a buzz. If we were to give you a breathalyzer or a blood alcohol level test, you more than likely would be drunk. You'd be at the .08 level or higher. So the effects of alcohol, which we're going to talk more in depth here in a minute. So social drinkers don't get drunk. They go out to socialize. They actually enjoy the taste of the alcoholic beverage they have. They savor it. They're, they don't guzzle. They don't uh, do shots real quick. They sip their drinks. Again, the intent is going out to indeed socialize. The second type of uh, alcohol user is the alcohol abuser. These are more common, and you can see them everywhere. So if I were at a bar or a party, how I would identify the alcohol abuser would be the ones that uh, perhaps are stumbling, falling, slurring their words, uh, may develop into you know, some kind of personality conflict, getting into arguments, etc. That's your alcohol abuser. They typically will drink with the intent of getting drunk. In the field, we oftentimes call the alcohol abuser weekend warriors. 
because they have full intent of going out and uh, getting drunk and getting uh, into situations. So their emotional state inside gets exaggerated. And as a result, if you are angry and upset, frustrated from your job or school, and you go out to get drunk, these emotions will get exaggerated and conflict will ensue. So if you're sad, lonely, depressed, and you go out and get drunk, the other effect may be a deep, dark depression, if not suicidal ideations. So it's very dangerous to go out and drink in these emotional states. So the alcohol abusers are the ones that typically we think are alcoholic, but in fact they are not. They're drinking to the point of getting drunk, passing out, stumbling, falling, etc. Then we come to the alcoholic. Using a party situation, perhaps it's a keg party, the alcoholic is kind of easy to identify initially because alcoholics typically do not venture too far from the source. So the alcoholics at the party situation or the bar would be the ones staying close to the source, be it the keg or be it the bar. And they typically drink constantly. And the interesting thing about an alcoholic is they don't show any outward signs of being drunk. So in other words, they will not slur their words. They will not fall and trip. They will not hang on people. So they tend to be perfectly put together and well-mannered. So in a situation, you may think that they're not alcoholic whatsoever, but in fact, they're handling very high uh, amounts of alcohol and they have a very high tolerance for the alcohol. So they can oftentimes be mistaken as social drinkers. And in fact, when talking with alcoholics, um, they tend to describe themselves as social drinkers. When it comes to alcoholics, there are several types. And clients and students have always asked me about what qualities do alcoholics have. The one uh, thing is you may have what we call functional alcoholics. These are folks that tend to drink a lot. Notice I'm keeping out the words drinking every day. You do not have to drink every day to be considered an alcoholic. But a functional alcoholic can drink vast amounts of alcohol and still function. Personal experiences and working with clients, I have witnessed uh, at uh, perhaps Pizza Hut or other eating facilities, a group of roofers coming in or construction workers coming in, and they'll be ordering lunch with uh, pitchers of beer. And most of us would consider drinking on the job is very dangerous. But with an alcoholic in initial stages or early stages of alcoholism, when they stop drinking, they go through withdrawal. And these withdrawal symptoms can cause tremors, nervousness, confusion, racing thoughts, etc. So in essence, they would be very dangerous at such sensitive jobs. So having a little bit of alcohol at times can uh, help them stabilize some of this behavior. And I'm not advocating that they should. I'm saying that these behaviors, if they're truly alcoholic, can be life-threatening. So an interesting tidbit is when alcoholics are drinking at the bars, the vast amounts that they do, and they get in a car and drive, if they're more than 15 minutes away from their source, that's when the uh, heavy alcohol drunkenness tends to kick in. 
So that's why a lot of DUIs happen if they're pretty far or uh, 15 minutes or more away from their source. And as soon as the alcohol symptoms kick in, that's when they tend to swerve on the road, um, they get uh, lose coordination, they could pass out, etc. The second type of alcoholic is the episodic alco alcoholic. These are the alcoholics that drink maybe once, twice a month, but when they do, they go on a major binge. And uh, in case you're wondering what binge drinking is, for males, binge drinking is considered five or more drinks in any setting. For females, it's four or more drinks for any setting. So again, consider your drinking pattern and I'll have clients come in and rationalize, well, I was out all day long and I drank, uh, you know, this many. Um, yes and no. I mean, it all depends on the time, the type of alcohol you're drinking, etc. But typically, if you're going to be out and you're drinking five or more drinks a day, why? What's the purpose? So again, five or more for a male, four or more for a female is considered to be uh, binge drinking. And you got to ask yourself why you consider to drink so much. So with this comes uh, typical episodes of binge drinking over a weekend. This can cause relationship problems, work problems, etc. cetera. Uh, and then there's the phenomena of the alcoholic who you may not consider to be alcoholic where they have to have a drink or they call it the aperitif before dinner or after dinner or the small glass of wine that they have to have every day. Listening to my key words, have to have. There's an excellent commercial on television for cigarette smoking where they show a woman who decided to quit smoking after she discovered she had no more cigarettes in her home. So she had to put on her winter attire, her coat, boots, hat, etc., and scarf, and go out and weather the extreme snow blizzard going on just to get a pack of cigarettes. That, folks, is addiction. Same with the alcoholic. If you have one drink a day and you think it's perfectly normal, fine. But if that day you go and uh, go to your wine cellar or you go to your cabinets to look for a drink and it's gone, and you feel that urgency or that great need that you must get out and buy some alcohol, that may be a clear indication of addiction. Because if you're not addicted and you reach for an alcoholic drink and there's nothing there, no big deal. You drink something else. No big deal whatsoever. So that's what I look for as far as diagnosing alcoholic who could just have one drink a day. But it does affect your behaviors and your mental processes. So that's a rare alcoholic, but um, no alcoholic likes to admit that they are truly, truly alcoholic. So these are the three types, and we all like to consider ourselves social drinkers, but as stated before, I believe that's mostly a dinosaur going extinct in today's culture. So <clears throat> let's talk again about the behaviors of alcoholics. And there's four basic types of behaviors you'll observe in alcoholics. One is the jocose type. These are Latin words that I use to describe them, but the jocose type are the people who get drunk and they get really, really silly. Okay, they can be irritating because they're telling jokes that make no sense. They're laughing uh, uproariously loud. Uh, 
they can be irritating in how they behave, they hang on you, etc. The second type is called the bellicose. The bellicose alcoholic um, typically can be a short man or woman, and I often joke saying that they have missing front teeth, mostly from being in bar fights, party fights. They're, they're typically short stature, and they, when they get drunk, they get very abusive, very angry, and they cause fights, and fights in which they typically won't win, and so they get hurt physically end up in the hospital, doctor's offices, uh, knocked out, etc. That's the bellicose type. Then there's the Latin lover alcoholic. These are folks that when they get drunk, they love everybody. They'll tell you how much they love you and how much you mean to them, hang on you, kiss you, uh, try to touch you. Very, very obnoxious in their behaviors as well. And they can be very offensive in their approach. So these are the other types of alcoholics. Then the last type of alcoholic is the alcoholic uh, that I've witnessed when I go out places and very, very irritating to me. This type of alcoholic is what we call the crying drunk. All through my college career, all through graduate school, and all through my personal life when I go to places, I oftentimes dread parties or going to a social situation because if there's drinking involved, I tend to attract the crying drunks. The crying drunk will sit and they'll cry and cry and cry over uh, boyfriend problems, husband problems, wife problems, girlfriend, relationship issues, money loss, uh, pets, anything. Anything you can possibly imagine, they'll get in the cry. They tend to gravitate towards me because they feel the energy coming from me that I do care and I do want to listen and help in any way I can. So they oftentimes will cry on my shoulder. And the gross thing about that is how wet my shoulder gets from them crying. And then when they pull away, there's often a saliva or snot trail that leaves the shoulder as they're pulling away that really grosses me out because uh, I'm not a uh, body fluid type person, so that really grosses me out when they do that. And I try my best to calm them, but we all know that when someone is drinking and drunk, you cannot talk with them rationally. So I tend to try to calm them as best I can, and what's really frustrating is when they do reach a state of calm, and I tend to walk away or get myself out of the situation, they begin crying again. And then you're caught up in that cycle, which oftentimes can take hours, if not the entire evening. So these are the four basic types of drunks that are out there and how they act when they do consume too much alcohol. If you are one of these types, you need to address this quickly because it does irritate people around you. It can be offensive. It can push friends and family away. Uh, so you need to address these problems. Drinking uh, should be in for enjoyment of just an alcoholic beverage. It uh, can be used for relaxation to a point. Like I said, when you start getting the buzz and the numb feeling coming over you, you've consumed too much. So you need to be aware of how much you're consuming and why. If you're planning on getting drunk and that's your way of having fun, you need to be responsible by designated drivers. 
and you need to be uh, in a correct mood. You don't go out drinking when you're sad, lonely, depressed, and you don't go out drinking when you're angry or frustrated. So generally, you need to be in a good mood to choose to go out and drink at all, okay? So these are types of drunks. These are types of alcoholics. Remember, most people out there are alcohol abusers and not necessarily alcoholic. Another fun fact is uh, a lot of people believe that uh, they can't become alcoholic because there's no alcoholism in the family. The fun fact is most alcoholics come from alcohol abusers, not the genetically predisposed. So what that means is if you're a weekend warrior and you're going out partying every weekend, Friday or Saturday night, perhaps both nights, you are more likely to develop the disease of alcoholism than a person coming from an alcoholic family. So this is one of the most easiest diseases to contract. All you have to do is drink, okay? And the interesting thing about alcoholism is that it is a progressive disease. It gets worse as you get older, whether you drink or not. Let that sink in for a moment. Once diagnosed with alcoholism, there's no cure, and it progresses from that point, whether you drink or not. So let me give you a solid example. I've worked with clients who are alcoholic, who have gone into total abstinence, perhaps for 10 years. So let's say when I met them and I began working with them, they were able to drink a uh, case of beer per day. And then, they, for whatever reason, could be legal, could be social, could be personal internal motivation that they decide to quit drinking to better their lives. And they accomplish it. Then 10 years later, again, through some situation, personal choice, some uh, trauma, they pick up a drink again. Now, a question I pose to clients and students is, when they pick up that drink, what happens? Most people respond that they pick up and drink where they left off. So they'll be drinking a case a day again. Fun fact, they will not. What happens is they will pick up drinking more than they did in the past. They pick up drinking as though they never stopped. So in a relatively short time after they pick up that initial drink, they're drinking much more than they did 10 years ago. So keep that in mind, and that comparison I used, analogy I'll use, is like diabetes, type 2 diabetes. It's another disease that's not very difficult to contract. All you have to do is eat badly, gain weight, and your pancreas will no longer be able to effectively produce the, uh, uh, the nutrients or the, uh, what it needs to process the sugars in your body. So it's a very easy disease to contract, much like alcoholism. And as with diabetes, the disease progresses again uh, throughout your life. The only way to treat it is through treating it with the insulin or through dietary, etc. An amazing thing about uh, type 2 diabetes, it's very easy to live with if you follow a strict regimen. Same with alcohol. It is very easy to live with once contracted when changing your behaviors, changing your mentality, changing your philosophy. You can live with it. It doesn't have to be a killer. 
So think of it as being progressive, no cure, it's a lifetime. You must live with it, you must treat it just like diabetes. So people don't realize that about alcoholism. And then there's another phenomena where you'll see severe alcoholics all of a sudden for unapparent reasons just suddenly quit. Okay, very, very rare, but this does happen. And on the opposite end of the spectrum with alcoholics, there's those who can die, even though they've built up such a tolerance throughout the years, the next time they drink, they could die from drinking because they consume too much. We call this the kindling effect. The kindling effect is when they reach a peak tolerance and then the body can no longer process or deal with this inundation of alcohol, so it starts to go down. Your tolerance starts to go down, whereas the alcoholic still drinks the same amount without reducing it as his tolerance goes down. Therefore, the next uh, heavy binge or next heavy con consumption of alcohol can kill him or her. And that's another thing that they don't take into consideration. So what is legal intoxication? We have the, they call it the blood alcohol content, the BAC or BAL, blood alcohol levels when they're taking blood tests. Breathalyzers are used as well. Today's standards, it's 0 .08 is considered legally drunk. In the past, in the recent past, it was 0 .10. So uh, you get, on average, that we're talking about an average person, no liver problems, you get 0 .02 for every glass of wine you consume, every 12-ounce beer, or every shot and a half of 80-proof whiskey. So the variances in all this is the amount of alcohol contained in the drink, because you can get fortified wines, they call port, that have more alcohol content. You have beers with various alcohol contents, typically range from 5 to maybe 9%. And then you have your liquors, which can go from 80 proof up to 100 proof or higher. So these uh, depends on the alcohol content, but the average drink, 0.02. With a healthy liver, your body can process or oxidize 0.02 alcohol content per hour of drinking. So when people are asking me what is safe social drinking, my answer is point or uh, one alcoholic beverage per hour. And of course, when you have alcohol abusers or alcoholics, their rationale is what's the point? Why drink at all if that's all you're going to do? But point oh two for every drink that you consume, and point oh two will leave your body or be oxidized for every hour that you're drinking. So that's a safe way of drinking when you're out at parties or situations. So blood alcohol levels, when I get clients coming in with 0.20, uh, there are certain stages. I mean, at 0.20, you should be going through ataxia where you're stumbling, falling, can't see straight. And yet these folks are driving vehicles, getting home, or perhaps working on their job at this high of a level. Definitely alcoholic, definitely high tolerance. But in their mind, they have no problems. The difficulty I have working with clients who consume alcohol is when you come from an alcoholic family, that's a norm to you. So you can't conceptualize not drinking. So if you're from an abusive, alcoholic abusive family or an alcoholic family, you don't conceptualize what normal drinking is. 
And by no means do you tend to make friends with people who don't drink because you think they're boring or you don't understand how in the world they can possibly have fun. But they do. So in a lot of cases, I work with my alcoholic friends uh, and clients to please try to look into how do people that choose not to drink have fun? So it can be quite insightful for them to learn this. In fact, they would have to if they choose to get sober in their lives. Which I just said another term that does um, grate me in the wrong way as well. Sobriety. A lot of clients will come in and say, I'm sober. Well, the fact is, sobriety to me means you're off of any kind of mind-altering substances and you're living a healthy lifestyle. In fact, most alcoholics, when they say they're sober, are usually substituting something in placement of the alcohol. They may turn to marijuana. They may see their doctors and get prescribed anti-anxiety medications, which are highly addictive. They may uh, start smoking more. They may start drinking pots of coffee a day now instead of drinking a cup or two. They may start substituting sexual addictions to replace the alcohol. But in my cases, everyone I've worked with, they typically substitute a behavior or another's chemical substance in lieu of the alcohol. So sobriety to me is not true. I look at them and I restate and said, you are abstinent from your drug of choice, but truly you're not sober. You've replaced your drug of choice. And that oftentimes irritates them as well to hear that they're not what they think they are. So to be truly sober, it's a spiritual awakening. It's looking at your body, your relationships, your mental health, your spiritual health, and what it means to live a good life. That is sobriety. It's an awakening. It's not just a simple change of quitting a substance. It is an awakening, and it's uh, quite an interesting thing to go through. Some final comments about working with alcoholism. There's so much I need to talk about, folks. I definitely won't cover it in this particular talk. But uh, another thing is that people get uh, confused about. If I have a 44-year-old man walking into my office who's alcoholic, part of my assessment is to discover when did, this, when did he become addictively uh, involved with alcohol. The reason, folks, is whatever age he began to become addicted to alcohol, he's frozen in time at that age. So if that 44-year-old man walking into my office became a heavy drinker and addicted at perhaps 16 or 17 years old, a big mistake I can make is when I treat that man, I'll treat him as though he's a 44-year-old man. I need to treat him as a teenager because mentally and emotionally he's stuck at the point where he became addicted. So when we talk about sobriety, when that person's working towards sobriety, that whole first year, or perhaps a little longer, is all about physical, mental, emotional cravings for the alcohol. Once he gets past that, the next year or two is emotionally growing up and becoming a responsible adult. So you can see the frustration that uh, people being married to these folks have. They think when they stop drinking, he or she will get much better. Life will get much better. But in fact, they have a year to three years of lots of work to do to emotionally and physically, uh, mentally, spiritually grow up. 
So there's a lot of work to be done. Even the alcoholic, him or herself, will say, I quit drinking so everybody should be okay with me and accept me as I am. And that's just not true. Okay, so they need a lot of work before they can re-enter society in a sober manner. So these are just some tidbits I'd like you to consider and reflect upon when dealing with alcohol or alcohol problems. Are you an alcohol uh, social user? Are you an abuser? Or have you reached the realms of addiction? Remember, social drinkers are becoming more and more extinct. They don't get drunk. They simply enjoy socializing with others. So let me end this talk now. Like I said, I can go on for a long, long time. But I wish you well and tune in next time as we talk about some process addictions. Take care, live well, and treat each other the best way you can. Bye-bye.